0: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the Senior Pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for, find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we begin a new series called Better Together, the focus today on friendships. You know we've learned from quarantines and isolation that this is fertile ground for anxiety and depression. True friendship should last the test of time and pandemics. Pastor Sean's message will remind us the power of friendship from the one who sticks closer than a brother. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. Pastor Sean's going to share a lot from Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio
1: want to talk about this issue of how we are better together and nobody said we had to do it alone but unfortunately too many of us do today I want to talk about friends and that's kind of a word that's been watered down a little bit you know we have friends everywhere in fact there was an actual article written about are your friends on Facebook actually your friends according to an appeals court in Florida legally Facebook friends aren't necessarily your friends I'll leave it to Florida Legally, Facebook friends aren't your friends. Now, the court dove into this question because of a judge who might have been required to recuse herself from a case because an attorney involved in that case was friends with the judge on Facebook. However, the court ruled that a recusal was not necessary. As Facebook data mining and algorithms lead to people accepting friend requests from people they hardly know or who they are only acquainted with in professional circles. Now, the issue isn't quite finished yet, though. As a Palm Beach appeals court, what is with Florida? A Palm Beach appeals court ruled differently on the friend definition, meaning the question of the true meaning of social media friendship could eventually be decided by the Florida Supreme Court. So this whole idea of friends, yeah, the the word's been kind of watered down and convoluted, but our question is who said you had to do it alone? And I want to say nobody. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Now, Ecclesiastes is a really interesting book. It really is because it's a book of incredible wisdom. Solomon went and tried everything. Solomon, known as the wisest man ever to live, because when God said to him, Solomon, I'm pleased by what I see in you, and I will grant you a request. His request also pleased God. He said, God, I want wisdom. I want wisdom. And God said, you'll have it. And so he became the wisest man on the planet. He wrote the book of Proverbs, powerful book. The book of Ecclesiastes is interesting because Solomon sets out to understand things, and so he tries pretty much everything. He goes out, and it's a book of, full of wisdom, but also a fair degree of fatalism because you, you know the phrase from the book of Ecclesiastes. I tried it, I saw it, and it was vanity. It was vanity. And we're going to look at one of those things in which he saw vanity this morning. In Ecclesiastes 4, I'm going to begin reading at verse 7. Again I saw vanity under the sun, one person who has no other, either a son or brother. Yet there is no end to all his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward or a return for their toil. Two are better than one. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who's alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. So he's writing about an individual who is so focused on his work and his pursuit of wealth that he never realizes the emptiness of his path and the meaningless of things outside of relationships. He doesn't have anybody, but he's so busy working and acquiring wealth that he, he kind of doesn't even notice. And I want to suggest that as Americans, this is a little bit uncomfortable because I want to suggest we have been raised to be focused on our work, on our pursuit of wealth and achievement and often one of the things that falls by the wayside in the midst of these pursuits is relationships. See, there's a problem when it comes to loneliness and being alone. There's growing evidence that loneliness actually can kill. We have robust evidence that it increases risk for premature mortality, says Holt Lundstedt. Other studies have found it's a predictor of premature death, not just for the elderly, but even more so for younger people. The latest survey also found something surprising about loneliness in the younger generation. The survey found that actually the younger generation was lonelier than the older generation, according to researches with Cigna. This is one of those things that we've got to stop, and as the church, we've got to pause and address this. Half of all the people that we meet throughout the course of work, neighborhood, family, life, half, according to this research, are struggling with significant loneliness, Either sometimes or even, many respond all the time. And that's why the writer of Ecclesiastes is, is painting this picture while his work and his wealth were doing well. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Work is good. He's missing one of the greatest principles of all creation. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. If you're taking notes, write this very simple, almost obvious, but yet obviously a lot of people are missing principle, and it's this. We are not meant to be alone. Friendship makes us better. That's what the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying. We're not meant to be alone. Friendship makes us better. Now, the writer of Ecclesiastes defined some key things. We're going to look at that in a minute. But actually talking about what people mean when they say friendship, that's a challenging thing. We all already talked about the Facebook thing. The New York Times feature, had a feature article recently that asked a question. They asked them to define friendship. And they said even experts who research friendship for a living, ask them what it means and you'll get an uncomfortable silence followed by stammering or errs or ums. See, friendship is difficult to to describe, said Alexander Nehamas, a professor of philosophy at Princeton, who in his latest book on friendship spends almost 300 pages trying to do just that, trying to define it. It's easier to say what friendship is not, and foremost, it is not instrumental. It's not a means to obtain higher status, wrangle an invitation to someone's vacation home, or simply escape your own boredom. Rather, Mr. Nehamas said, friendship is more like beauty or art, which is appreciated simply for its own sake. Ronald Sharp, a professor who teaches a course on the literature of friendship, added, it's not about what someone can do for you. It's who and what the two of you become in each other's presence. Isn't that interesting? It's who or what the two of you become in each other's presence. The notion of doing nothing but spending time with another or in another's company has, in a way, become a lost art. People are so eager to maximize efficiency of relationships, they've lost touch with what it is to be a friend. I want to suggest first there's a difference between family and friends. And we're going to go to the Scriptures. We're going to look at a lot of Proverbs because the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom, talks a great deal about relationships and particularly about friendships. There's a difference between family and friends. Proverbs 17:17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. And some people go, duh, ah, obviously he knew my family, praise the Lord. Here's the bottom line, a friend loves it all the time, a brother's born for adversity. What's interesting, and, and you need to really stop and think about this, your family didn't get to choose you, you didn't choose them, your friends get to choose you, and you get to choose them. It's absolutely different. It doesn't mean your family doesn't love you, the fact is your family may not like you. You may not like them, and, and I really mean that. You, you, can, you can absolutely love someone and be committed to them and have their back and be committed for life, but just go, ah, we don't have the same interests. We kind of, you know, they wouldn't be my first choice to go hang out for a weekend. Friends, it's typically not like that. Friends have chosen one another. And so the truth is, friends are different than family. Proverbs 18, 24 gives us a little more insight. It says, a man of many companions may come to ruin." But there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Brothers are taking a hit today. There's a difference between companions and friends. And that doesn't mean anything negative about companions. We have companions who we spend time with because of the situations of life we walk with. People we work with, maybe, who are companions. We care about them, that we go through life together. But if we don't work at that job anymore, we probably wouldn't spend near as much time together. People we live next door to. But when you move, you don't spend near as much time with them. You're companions. You're walking through life together. And what he points out is a man of many companions can come to ruin room because companions are the people who when something goes really bad in life, they send you a note or they put something on Facebook or they say, you know what, I'm going to pray for you. Friend is that one who sticks closer than a brother and who just shows up. Again, Proverbs gives us some interesting insight. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Now, aside from the just plain obvious truth of this statement, there is something else that's going on here that multiple commentators point out when they talk about this passage of scripture. The fact is, we live in a culture that we, we, can, we make things sweet all the time because we have sweeteners. We have sugar, we have things like that. Well, this. Pastor, scriptures before sugar was discovered in that capacity they really didn't have something like it they would just add anything so you couldn't really just manufacture sweet things you had to discover it you discovered whether something was sweet or not and it was ah that's sweet and a friendship is like that isn't it have you thought about that a friendship is like that it's more often discovered than actually created or manufactured in his amazing book the four loves c.s lewis says it this way he says, friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. Have you ever had that experience? I have. I have several friends who we've been friends for a long, long time. And there was just this sense of kind of, all of a sudden we discovered this kind of commonality. It, not, it goes beyond interest, but, but it includes interest. And we just see things a certain way. and we just, It automatically happened. And it was something very powerful. That's why Solomon advocates so strongly for friendships. Your work, your wealth, your stuff, they're not near as important as who you do life with. And we spend so much time obsessing over our work and our money and our stuff, our houses, our cars. We we let them destroy good friendships. We let them destroy family relationships, stuff that is temporal, nobody's going to care about in five years, 10 years, definitely not in 50 years. And yet we get this all turned around and backwards. We're so utilitarian in things. What Solomon is saying is, wait, stop, stop, stop. There's something so much more important. Who you do life with. Who are your friends? And he makes several really important statements about friendship. Let's look at those real quickly. First, we are more fruitful together when we have friends. Remember he said there's a good reward. They get a better reward or a return for their labor. We're better when we're together. See, he says if one falls, there's someone to pick them up. See, our gifts don't just add on top of one another. Like if you find a good friend and you start to just do life together, it's not just like, okay, you take my strengths and their strengths and now add that up and, and now you have that amount of strengths. No, something happens in this synergy. And there's a multiplication. You make them better. I make them better. They make me better. It's just the way friendships work. We get a better return for our work is what he says. We multiply together. Because it's true. The relationships are more than the sum of their hearts. And he points out, woe to the man who falls down and there's no one to pick them up. See, every one of us has ups and downs. I don't care how crazy you are. Every one of us has ups and downs and we need friends to help pick us up when we're down. I don't care how optimistic you are. I'm crazy optimistic. Some people, it's like, it's like right on the edge of delusional. It's really nice. It's a wonderful place to live as long as you have good realistic people to keep you, you know, alive and stuff. But I don't care how optimistic you are. I've had downtimes. I've had downtimes that just, it seems like it's going to crush you. And it's just like the weight and the hits just keep coming. And what a gift, what a breath of fresh air, a true friend who loves you and cares about you and is there and says, come on, let me help and, and picks you up. And they say things like, you remember what God did before? God can do this again friend reminds you, when you can't see anything but the battle, the struggle, the oppression, you can't see anything else, a friend comes along and says, well, don't forget about this. And they lift you up. See, when I have good friends, I'm a better spouse to Lori. Because my, my good friends remind me how important she is and what a priority my marriage is. I'm a better parent because my good friends help sharpen. In fact, the, isn't that what the scripture says? Proverbs twenty seven seventeen, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. We sharpen each other. You know, and I know it's true, when things sharpen there can be sparks. What good friendship doesn't have those. But we make each other better. I'm a better spouse. I'm a better parent. I'm a better business person. When I have friends who are reminding me that, you know what, no sale is worth my integrity. No deal is worth my reputation. And they're just good friends. And Now, I need to give a a caveat right here, okay? And this is so important. I want you to listen. I want you to catch this. We all know that not all, quote, friends are the same. There are life-giving friendships. And then there are soul-sucking friendships. Anybody ever had a soul-sucking friendship? Who you choose to be your companions in life, your close friends, is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make really true, one of the most important decisions you will ever make, who you choose to be those closest. You you understand that we're supposed to love everybody out there, right? Jesus, he ate with sinners and tax collectors, and he spent time with them, and he loved them and cared for them. But when it came to sharing his mission, he had 12 who were close to him. And when it came to when he was lonely and needed someone just to go wait and pray with him, he had three that were closest still. Even Jesus modeled this sense of, while I love everybody and I want to invest in people wherever I can, those who I depend on, those who I receive from, those who are in my closest circle, I choose very wisely and carefully. And I want to say to you, don't just let anyone be that person who influences you. Because there are some people you have no business being influenced by. There are life-giving friendships and there are soul-sucking friendships fact is we're not meant to be alone friendship makes us better
0: we want to take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to reaching for real life radio with pastor sean azaro a listener supported ministry of river city community church in this message called better together which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org and while you're there if you've been blessed by this teaching your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others like you just find the give tab at reallife.org And another great way to bless the ministry and yourself is to pick up the latest book from Pastor Sean Azaro. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: A second thing the writer of Ecclesiastes says, we are healthier together with friends. We are healthier together with friends. How can one keep warm alone, he says. He's talking about the warmth, the safety of good friendships, the mutual care. We are healthier together. Do you know that depression and anxiety, which are rampant and epidemic in our culture, are both almost always accompanied by isolation. We are healthier when we're together with friends. And I think there's some reasons for that. A friend is someone who loves you as you are. They love you as they are, and they will tell you the truth. This is so important because a lot of people don't have someone like this. And I hope every person who's listening to this right now, whether you're live stream, whether you're here in the room, whether you're on the radio, whatever, I hope you have someone who you know loves you, has committed you, and has your back, and who will tell you the truth and we'll hold up the mirror. Look look at how Solomon says it in Proverbs, Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Nobody likes wounds. And just because someone loves me and cares about me, when they tell me the truth, if I've been delusional, and I'm not paying attention, and they have to tell me a hard truth, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't mean it's not a wound. It just means it's faithful. And let me tell you, it's a whole lot easier to take when I know the person delivering this kind of truth pill loves me and is committed to me. And I know through our walk and our friendship together, they want the best for me. It's a lot easier to take a rebuke or take a hard truth or take a look in the mirror when it's delivered by someone who loves you and is committed to you. That's what he's talking about. Do you understand we're all supposed to be growing as people? We are supposed to grow. I don't believe we can grow the way God intends outside of healthy relationships. That's why Jesus said, most important thing, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second, love your neighbor as yourself. Relationships, not money, not goals, not dreams, not houses, not investments. None of those are the most important thing. The most important thing and the only things on life that are eternal, by the way, are relationships. Those kind of relationships create a safe place for us to grow and we're supposed to grow and I don't believe we can do that the way God intended, outside of meaningful, close friendships, who will tell us the truth. And we are all about growing as a fellowship, helping people become disciples, followers of Jesus who are becoming more of what he intended for them. And one of the ways that happens is through relationships and community, where we love each other, we build each other up, we cheer each other on, and we also tell each other the truth. That's powerful. That is a greenhouse for growth. See, we're not meant to be alone. Friendship makes us better he says it pretty plainly we are stronger together with friends the fact is remember what he said in verse 12 and though a man might prevail against one who is alone two will withstand him and then he adds another call about, a threefold cord is not quickly broken he might be able to take down one two he can't and i'll tell you a three strand cord is not easily broken we are stronger with friends here's the reality Life will bring us storms and valleys. And none of us is strong enough to hit them alone. None of us is strong enough to hit them alone. And none of us avoids them completely. You may be sitting here and going, you know what, I haven't seen a lot of storms and valleys in life. Knock on wood. Okay, let me tell you what that means. One, you're very young. God bless you. Enjoy that. But we live in a world where it's going to come. Something happens. Job, family, circumstances, death. We face valleys. We face storms and they hurt and they're hard. And What happens is we are stronger when we face those with someone else or a few people who love us and care about us and are there with us. Galatians 6, 1 and 2 paints a great picture of this. It says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. That's how you care for one another, even if someone's going off the rails. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Don't ever sit pointing fingers because you also have the capacity to fall. You have the capacity to be tempted. And then he says this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's such an important phrase. Bear one another's burdens and you'll fulfill the law of Christ. See, when we walk together, we bear each other's burdens. You and I all have burdens and there's something about close friends that make that burden lighter. We help with one another's burdens the weight and the load because we are stronger together he says someone might be able to overcome one man but two that's a lot tougher we're not meant to be alone friendship makes us better and then the last thing don't forget the third strand that changes everything it's interesting that he adds that little phrase and a three strand cord is really hard to break don't forget the third strand remember what i said not all friendships are the same There's life-giving versus soul-sucking. Some build us up and make us better. Some don't. Some drain us, some distract us, some discourage us. Even good relationships can sometimes have a hard time. But I want to suggest there is a relationship that is the ultimate life-giving relationship, and it changes how you respond. It changes even how you interact in friendship. Some people go around looking so hungry and desperate for friends because there's a big hole in their heart. What I want to say to you is we are not intended to have that hole in our heart. There is a place in our spirits and our souls that we were created for that cannot be filled by anyone but our creator. He's the only one who can meet that need, who can fill that space. It's truly the ultimate life-giving relationship. Look what Jesus said, John 15, 12 through 15. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. I wonder... When he said this, it's Thursday night. He says this, Friday night he's crucified. What did they think? Did they remember this phrase? Because this is just a, well, that's good truth, Jesus. Yes, that would seem to make sense. That's very interesting. By Friday night, it's like, yeah, that's way more. Greater love is known than this. And he laid down his life for his friends and they're standing there at the foot of a cross. Holy cow, he's talking about himself. And look what else he says. He says, see, you're my friends. If you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master's doing. But I've called you friends. For all that I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. See, the ultimate friendship that changes us, it fills us, it allows us to go into friendships in a healthy way, is that friendship with Jesus. I want to say to you, be filled with Jesus. The key to being a friend is first having that ultimate friend, Jesus. Jesus then it's not always about me. It's not about how someone can meet my needs or what they can do for me because my needs have been met in Jesus Christ. I am filled. Be filled with His Spirit. Be filled with His presence. Be filled with His love. And that's a foundation that changes every other relationship in your life.
0: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. If you'd like to hear this full message in the series, Better Together, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, leave a note for us on our Contact Us page that you're enjoying the series, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue on the Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon
1: Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set
0: off alarm bells.